Aloha! I'm Michelle Rundgren, coming to you from a little green dot in the middle of a huge blue ocean. Kauai! Hi. Brand new, first time. First time for everything, but my original idea was to do a live podcast with y'all. Gene Lakowitz had even found all these coffee shops and pizza parlors and restaurants within walking distance to all the theaters Todd was going to play in. Yeah, I thought we could all gather there you know, a few hours before his show, like shoot the breeze, talk and party together, um, do a podcast where I ask you questions, you ask me questions, and then we just have a really good time, like a little party. And then in mass, we would walk to Todd's show. It was going to be perfect. Well, well, well. <sighs> now we're all stuck in our stuck in our rooms, stuck in our houses, stuck together, but we'd rather be stuck together in, in mass. <laughs> so first I'd like to say a big mahalo to Joey Ray. Joey Ray is the producer of my as yet unnamed podcast, and you guys could help me with that. I need a name for the podcast, so help me out here. You can just uh, either you know call the number or go to Michelle Rundgren at Gmail and send me what you think. And tell me, always tell me if I if you don't want me to use your name. I'm going to use your name um, in all the questions or stories unless you tell me you'd rather not. And uh, let's see. Oh, Joey came to me on the North Shore at Tiki Niki with an idea. He, he and his Texas Kauai accent, very calm, and he's really quiet, and he's very, uh, he's very different than me, than, uh, than I. Sorry, I'm channeling my, my mom. Than I. And just encouraged me to do this. He thought I'd be into it, and I was. I'd been thinking about it for a long time. So thank you, Joey, for talking me into that. And mostly I'm doing this to avoid writing a book. Writing is freaking hard. Jabbering? Now that's something I enjoy. That's something I can do easily. If you haven't heard too much about this podcast, it's about all of us. It's about me, and it's about you. I'll set up a story subject. Tell, I'll tell you my story, and you tell me your story. That can be done by emailing me at michellerungren at gmail.com, or if your story is brief, you can speak it to me by calling, got your pencil? No, wait, who has a pencil? Nobody has pencils anymore. 808-431-4881. I'm not going to answer. It's an answering machine at Joey's house. He won't listen, I promise. <laughs> 808-431-4881. Leave your name and where you're from. Uh, tell me your story. It'd be great if you keep it to you know under three minutes if you can, because I'd love to play it on the podcast. And let me know if you would rather not, rather I didn't say your name, or if you'd rather not play your voice, although I want to hear your voice. I can always read your story, but it's, it's cooler if you say it in your own voice. Okay? Oh, and also call or email me any questions you have about me, Todd, life, the pursuit of happiness. I want all of us to drive this tour bus. I did drive a tour bus once. 
It was in the tubes. Everybody was asleep. Our driver had to pee really bad. Then rather than pull over, see, I'm already telling stories. What? I just started drinking wine. I bet it'll get better. <laughs> so, uh, I, God, I can't remember his name. I'll have to ask the guys. Anyway, he said, it's just dry. It's really straight right now. And I said, hey, my dad taught me how to drive his pickup truck with a canopy on it, pulling a 20-foot trailer in snow. My mother was horrified. But my dad said, it's fine. I can always grab the wheel. Anyway, so I knew I could do this. I took the wheel of the tour bus and I kept it at 50. And oh my God, it was freaking scary. Tour buses float. They just, and you feel like you're just going to float it right off the road. But I did it. I did, and I will never do it again. It's totally illegal anyway. <laughs> okay, should we get to questions first? Because I figure if I have your questions, then I won't be that nervous about just telling you my stories. Okay. Um, oh, let's see. Oh, Elliot and Michelle Aiken. They were the first ones to ask a question. <laughs> and they say, hmm, struggling for questions for your podcast. But I find it ironic that a couple who deserves time at home more than most have to do in these bizarre circumstances. Thanks for doing these podcasts. You're way too good to us. Oh, you don't know that yet, Elliot and Michelle. I might suck at this. I'm good live. Uh, we'll happily pay for some new MP3s if your husband wants to put them out like I could make him do anything. No, I know. I don't think so. <laughs> but thanks, Elliot. Hey, and that was such an amazing article you wrote. Everybody, um, if you haven't, check out Elliot, E-L-L-I-O-T. Aitken is spelled A-I-T-K-E-N. Um, he, I can't even remember the town he came to, but uh, photographed a bunch of guitars, the tour bus, and wrote a beautiful article. I thought that was really cool. And Becky Lavash has a question. She says, I love the video of you two on the beach looking happy. Well, we're almost always happy. Are you working on new music for Intoxicats? How are you keeping busy? Well, we are. Um, our fearless leader, Rick, is uh, drumming up something that you'll see within the next week or two that we're going to do for you, something goofy, you know, because it's always... The Intoxicats were goofy. The whole damn bunch is funny as hell. If I had to get, you know, pick some people that I had to be stuck with for the rest of my life, I would pick these band members. It's just... It, I am so blessed I, that I met them you know, in my late 50s, I mean, my late 40s. And <laughs> I'm having a blast. And yes, we're going to do some new music as soon as we can. Rick and Amy um, have their own studio in Minneapolis, in their house, in their basement. And I have my own room at their house now. I've totally moved in, taken over the closet. Uh, the most fun is flying once a month to play at Psycho Susie's in Minneapolis. It's so much fun. Everyone there is cool. The audience is cool. The place is amazing looking. And that's, of course, on hold. But hopefully we'll all get to go party over there. Let's see. Oh, Sal Nunziato. Hi, Sal. He says, hi, Michelle. Todd has always been ahead of the game, never doing the same thing twice. A true artist. But is there any chance of one more old school record using live musicians? Something to take us back to how it all began. Oh, man, Sal, that would be that would be amazing. But cost wise, I don't know that it could ever happen the same old way. 
I think what would probably happen would be like he did with The Wizard, where he puts a show together and then we record that live. But I know that that's his favorite thing to do is be in the studio and cut live. When we did Nearly Human and Something Anything, I'm not Something Anything, Nearly Human and what was it? Down, this is live. (laughs) Second wind. (laughs) He had so much fun. And I know that's the way he wants to do it. It will just, uh, we'll just have to see if, if that can happen. Hey, that just reminds me of a story to tell now. When we were doing Nearly Human, I've got I, some of you know all these stories, so I'm sorry you, you're hearing them again, but it's fun for me to tell again after decades. So I got to be production manager for that record, meaning, um, well, I, I was in a couple bands in San Francisco playing with great musicians, and of course, all the Tubes guys were in San Francisco. So when Todd finished a song, he would hand me a list of what instrumentation he wanted. Like he wanted me to hi- get the studio first. So fantasy was, was both of our choice. So I would book the studio and he'd say, okay, I need two guitar players, a trumpet player, a tambourine, a this, a six singers, that, you know, tell me all the parts and I would hire the people and make it happen. And that meant so much to me. So when, uh, because I was in charge after a few songs, I felt the power. So uh, he never asked who I was going to hire. And my one of my favorite moments on, well, I have two favorite moments, one uh, recording anyway, one nearly human, one second win. Oh, no, they're both nearly human. Anyway, my favorite moment was being able to hire Utopia fly them in, put them up, and you know, get, get them the music so they could learn the parts. And Todd had no idea until we all reported for duty at the studio. And we all reported for duty at the studio, and there's a little like um, green room before you hit the studio. And so he gives us our speech before the song about what he wants from us, the feeling, the vibe, how, how he was feeling. And in marked, in marked, in walked, the boys, Roger, Chasm, Willie, and he was so surprised. I'd say the only thing, and this is, and it's also a little snapshot into our old lives. When we moved into Sausalito, he was pretty distant, not distant. He was, we were boyfriend and girlfriend only upstairs because we I think that's a story for another time. I think I might need wine to tell that story. But if you watch that video, he doesn't look at me the whole time. And I didn't think about it then, but watching it, I realized, wow, he didn't acknowledge me in bringing that to him. And I realized why it didn't bother me, because I, I had chosen that life. And it was very, very different in the beginning. There were many years where there was a pretense of not being together. Hard to explain, but we'll go into that later. Oh my gosh, isn't this already gossipy and good? (laughs) I went a little further than I thought, but that's what it's all about. And if I'm rambling, oh well. Uh, Paul Fox has a question says, hi, Michelle, looking forward to the podcast. Oh, I hope you still are. Question, 
Now we are in the midst of the Rona. I think I've just renamed it. As long as you know, we're it's gonna as long as the curve's going down. Okay, I might call it the Rona. Is Todd considering doing some virtual solo live performing, kind of like virtual busking? You play some tunes, and if the audience likes it, they throw a buck in the virtual hat, PayPal, Venmo, whatever. I've already watched a few gigs and various artists. Some encourage tipping, others just do it to entertain. Uh, Paul, I think because he's still upstairs writing and creating and coding, I don't think that's going to happen. Also because, this is my guess, I have no knowledge from him. Also because I think there were a lot of years where he had to go out solo to earn a living for our family, like it was really desperate times financially. And he didn't want to do solo stuff, but he did. He did that over and over and over and just to help pay our bills and put, keep the kids in private school. I think because his the, most of his joy comes from playing with a band that he doesn't want to do that. Now, I'm not, I think he's got something in mind for you guys, but I don't think it's like playing solo I don't know. I just, I, I have a sense that he's just not, he wouldn't like it. And if he does do that for you guys, it means he's come around to go like, I want to do this for them. That's it. Uh, oh, Kathy Lee, any word on whether the upcoming tour has been canceled? Oh, Kathy Lee got a question in quite a while ago. Um, I, you know what's funny is it's never been canceled, but it has been moved a few times. I don't think I can say, you know, when and all that because I think it's going to get moved again. Her second question was, Amy Meyer, your Intoxicats compadre, is making amazing face masks, masks from beautiful fabrics similar to your tiki-niki napkin pile on the ironing board. <laughs> That's funny. I made a couple masks from those napkins, Kathy Lee. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll, and so I'll tell Amy, yeah, she's an amazing seamstress. Well, she can do anything. I mean, she, like, replaces, like, heating elements in something broken or, you know, hammers up the side of a house. She's, you know, if I was gay, I would steal her. I would totally steal her. Uh, I mean, if I was a lesbian, I would steal her. Of course, Rick would fight me and I'd lose. Okay, can you give a shout out to Danny O's GoFundMe for Jesse, please? Yes, Alan Miro. Hi, Alan. Yes, there is a GoFundMe for Jesse. Um, Danny O'Connor set that up. Um, I'm sure most of you know that Jesse was very ill for many months. Touch and go, touch and go, and does need a double lung transplant. Both, both sides, both lobes. So I am just, all of us are grateful that his catastrophe happened before COVID-19 and uh, that he, is, he and Mary Lou are safe together in Woodstock waiting for that transplant. So if you can, uh, that GoFundMe. Everybody, five bucks, is, uh, it, it adds up fast. And it can be anonymous. Um, and Alan also asked, is Tiki delivering to Arizona? <laughs> no, we're, we're actually not delivering at all. Um, be, oh, before I talk about Tiki and Niki, Alan, thank you for, oh my gosh, Al, I, next show I'm going to talk about Alan's flowers because I want to say the name correctly, but 
Should I even call him flowers? I'm going to have to ask Alan. He's a botanist, like a kick-ass botanist. And um, he sent me two things that I'll, I'll, I'll get it all the skinny from Alan so that I don't misspeak. And Tom Jennings. Hi, Tom. Oh, I, let's see. It says, I would leave a voicemail, but I am very long-winded. Oh, and I'm not. Come on, Tom. It's all right. <laughs> uh Let's see. He says, two of my... Oh, let's see. I do remember you from Rochester, New York, especially you sent your picture, which picture's great. I go, yes, I know you. And you were at my comedy show. He says, two of my sons were with me, and I opened the night with a short acoustic set. I remember that. It was fun. It remains one of the highlights of my life. Aww. And we still have the Playboy with the black electrical tape on the pages with the nudes. Although I'm pretty sure my son, Tom Jr., snuck a few peeks at those pics back then. Uh, I did a comedy show, and, and I, I got out there. Pretty, pretty goofy. And yes, I used a, a, an old Playboy magazine as a prop and gave it to his son. <laughs> now my two quick questions. Tom asks... Just started doing comedy open mics. I'm 54 years old, and I know you took a shot at doing stand-up. I loved your show, he says. Why did you stop doing comedy? Hmm. I was very, I thought, I think I was very successful at my comedy show. Um, I very, I, I don't think I experienced silence in any of my jokes. And I did it for about a year and a half. I toured the country and played a bunch of shows here. But it wasn't as much fun as seeing. It didn't bring joy. It brought fear. Fear of failure every 30 seconds. And I enjoyed the writing. I enjoyed the audience. But that feeling of doing comedy on stage is totally different than singing. When you sing, there is such a, either peace or joy or passion or just like wild party, like you're on the disco floor and you sing and it just feels like your spirit's going out or and the audience is part of it. You know, I look at your faces and it either makes me smile or cry or, you know, when you're singing along, it's just singing is so joyful. And I, in fact, Todd gives me shit because uh, after I gave it up and then other com female comedians got successful, he was like, yep, you could have been Chelsea Handler. You should have been Chelsea Handler. You could have wiped, you could have had that, that whole segment. Oh, Amy Schumer could have had her money. <laughs> but um, there's just so much more joy in singing. And then Tom's second question was, Todd's book had some pretty raw stuff in it about your relationship. <laughs> Did he run any of it by you? What's your sp uh, perspective on the challenges you faced as a couple? Whoa, that's a whole show, Tom. Uh, you know what I'd like to do is invite you all who've read the book to ask specific questions. Like, every page is a chapter, though. Um, so, um, okay, let me get this. I have the book in my office here. Let me get it out. Okay. So since each chapter is a page, if you have a question, I don't mind answering. And if I'm uncomfortable answering, I won't. But for instance, uh, you know, human. 
that chapter uh, about recording live. If you have a, a question just like that, I would love to know what page you're talking about, Tom, and then I could read that page before I answer, and, and then I think I could do it more justice. I think I could be more honest with it. And I'll talk later, maybe not in this show, but later about the challenges we faced as a couple. Nothing, I mean, yeah, I guess they were hard, but both of us are, I'm trying to come up with the right word. We're really strong, both of us, and um, we don't pick at each other. We don't lose it. Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. I'll have to think about that. And it, this is great because I might go after the show and just write some of my thoughts down that I'll, I'll be able to talk more about. But um, when we have challenges, um, I think both of us want to always succeed and what's the best I can do. I'm not saying we're perfect. Oh, my gosh. Very, very human. But really good question. Okay, I'll come back to that, Tom. <laughs> All right, let's see. Barb Thompson Gabay. Uh, hi, Michelle. First, how many flowing leopard print jackets do you have? <laughs> she loves it. Todd Stock West was the highlight of my life, especially Rise. Oh my God, isn't that a great song? Oh. Um, I have, you know, it's funny, I never thought about it, just kind of because of Tiki, it, com- it came in, you know. Leopard prints are big. Um, animal prints are, are big and tiki. So I have two leopard coats, two leopard bathrobes, and I think two leopard dresses. Okay, that's it. Let's see. Oh, second question. I sent you a package from Israel with tahini, Dead Sea products, some chocolate candy. Oh, yeah, flash drive explaining how to make tahini. That, those were so great. I did get them. Yes, yes, yes. That is really cool. And Todd was really special. He goes, whoa, you've never cooked with tahini before. So I did tell him that you gave it to us. Thank you. Uh, I hope we all get through. She says, I hope we all get through this all right. I still have to work because I'm a lab tech working in a clinic. We already have been in lockdown for two weeks in Israel. They've tightened up restrictions this week. You're lucky to be in a rural area. Stay home, stay safe. Lots of love from Israel, from Barb. You're right. I feel extremely lucky to be on Kauai. We have three cases here now. Um, Or maybe it's four. Three are in quarantine at their own home, and one is in the hospital. We've We've had more than that, but since then it's been many weeks, and everybody's fine. Some days... There is not a single plane that lands on Kauai. So, yes, we are very safe. We are on lockdown as well. We have, um, you know, everybody has to stay home unless you're going out for groceries, post office, exercise. Uh, Can't remember. Anyway, um, when you go out, though, you must wear a mask unless you're exercising. But everybody is very conscientious. We're very safe. Yeah, you're right, Barb. I live in paradise. And to be truthful, even though we wanted to move here because it was absolutely beautiful, we were both hyper aware that if something happened in the world, this is one of the safest places to be. We might all end up having to live here on our property in tents. 
like Todd Stock. <laughs> okay, Sandy. Sandy says, hi, Michelle, this is really exciting stuff. I mean, being able to ask you a question is really cool. Just what we all need right now, some contact. Oh, thanks, Sandy. She says, I've listened to Todd and loved Todd's music for decades, and I have read a lot about his amazing experiences and have listened to so many interviews. Seeing him live was the highlight of my life last year. Aww. Healing was my playlist last summer as I was in ICU after a stroke. Whoa. I've recovered. Yes. Good. My question to you, to you is how and where do you draw your strength? As a significant other, life helper, businesswoman, entertainer, wife, and mother, you simply shine. Aw, thanks. It's, obviously you have had it's obvious you've had trials and tribulations. Really? It is? Is it obvious? No. <laughs> Thank you for inspiring so many people. Sandy from Boise. Oh, yes, my husband and I enjoyed a wonderful Kauai vacation in February, pre-COVID, celebrating 30th anniversary at Tiki and Niki, best night ever. Ah, oh, oh, I wish I'd been there when you were there. Dang. You guys should always, you know, email me if you're coming to Kauai. If, um, if I'm on island, I would always try to come say hi. I'm not saying I could drag you-know-who, but because he never goes anywhere. He hasn't used his mask once because there's a daily ritual. The only time he goes out of the house is to walk the dogs on the beach between, you know, 5.30 and 6.30. That's it. Every day we, we do that. Uh, oh, what was it? My question, how do you draw, where do you draw your strength? Ah, that's really cool that you asked that because later in the show, I'm going to tell a story about finding out who I was when I was five. And it's a perfect opportunity for me to say that I would like you guys to, for my next show, to tell me who has inspired you in life or who are your mentors? What did they do and what did it mean to you? What, what, why? Who are you because of them? Because I think who we are comes from our experiences, but our experiences through people, mostly. That's my, my thought. And I've been really fortunate. In fact, I was very fortunate to, to choose my mom and dad. I didn't know I chose them, but I'll tell a Rebop story later. Oh, I'll tell it now. Because what if I forget? Are you guys forgetting? At our age now, we're starting to forget shit. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, I'll tell you a story that sums up why I feel lucky to have had my mom and dad and maybe a hand in that. So Rebop was three years old. We didn't raise him on any kind of religion at all. In fact, the opposite, just like the, uh, the world, the universe is beautiful, the people or your heart, um, all that kind of stuff. So, and he didn't go to, he went to nursery school where I was, um, co it was a co-op nursery school. So I was there the whole time, no indoctrination whatsoever. So one day, we're upstairs in his bedroom, he's playing, and uh, he says, I'm really glad I decided, now remember, Rebop was kind of like an idiot savant, talked, Todd has said stories, so you, you know I'm not exaggerating, Todd just told stories about Rebop speaking at seven months, full sentences by 16 months, it was freaky, people used to freak out when they heard him talking, he had a deep voice too. So we're in his bedroom. He's three years old. He says, I'm really glad I decided to be born. I was like, oh, you decided to be born? 
can you tell me more about that? He goes, yeah, I was playing, and there was gold everywhere, like kind of like the color gold everywhere. And I looked for you for a long time. And I searched, and I searched, and I finally found you, and I decided to be born. And I was stunned. I said, Repop, oh my... I am I am so honored that that you chose us as your parents. And in a very Todd voice goes, Oh no, 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 no. I chose you. You chose him. So, <laughs> so that so that gave me the idea that maybe I chose my parents. And maybe I did a good job. I I hope Rebop did a good job. So thanks, Sandy. Susan Pope. Hi, Susan. I always wanted to be a drummer. So are you and your boyfriend trying to learn something new as so many are doing during your isolation? Ah, oh, that's so cute. Yeah, she knows. Uh, we were. We decided, well, actually, he decided a, a couple years ago to not call me his wife. And I, at first when he said, he said it kind of somber, like, hey, I feel something. And I decided that I would not like to refer to you as my wife. I looked at him, and I was thinking about the old days when people didn't know if I was his girlfriend or not. And I was like, okay, what made you decide that? He goes, because you don't feel like my wife. Now that the kids are gone and we're just you know, having a really good time in life, you feel like my girlfriend. And that meant the world to me. So <laughs> thanks for saying that, Susan. So my boyfriend and I, new stuff. Uh, I don't think we have time to learn new... Well, he's always learning new stuff. Um, I don't think I have time because now that I had to lay off 40 employees and Tiki Niki is temporarily closed, I'm home and can get to every room in the house that I've ignored for seven years. And I really have ignored every room. So little by little, I'm... That's what I'm doing, and it feels great. I'm, I also have time to garden, and that feels really super. So that's, I'm not teaching myself anything new, but recapturing my old life when I wasn't a businesswoman dedicating seven days a week, and it feels really good. I miss, I miss the seven days a week of chaos and business, but... <laughs> hey, Mark Begley! Uh, Mark asks, is the Tiki Festival on Kauai still in plans for the fall of 2020? No. We decided to, um, uh, and some of you don't know that um, I have a new partner in uh, Angela. Angela Tilson is an amazing woman who has organized huge events, does location scouting for all the film, many, many, many films on Kauai and in Hawaii. Har- she works harder than I, me. She works harder than me. No, it's harder than I. Sorry, Mom. And we decided to put a company together and do a first project of a tiki festival on Kauai in November, but that is pushed back. Uh, it's just too uncertain right now. But we're going to find something to do together. 
and Sharon Barber. Is that Camden? Oh, it is Camden's wife. <laughs> she says that at the end. Here's the question. You have physical access to everything you need there. Is the su- supply chain reaching Kauai? Love and hugs. Stay well and be safe. Oh, thanks, Sharon. Please tell Cam- Camden hi. Uh, yeah, we actually have everything we need here. And the supply chain is a little off. I mean, we don't have masks, but everybody's making them like crazy. So that works. And I mean, it's hard to find toilet paper and paper towels, but I was always the Costco buyer anyway. I didn't hoard. I just always have enough in case of hurricanes. So that was great. Thanks. Paul, uh, Paul Fox says, I have another topic for discussion. Most music artists record completely digitally, but it seems as though analog is making a comeback. Or is it just trendy? Vanla for sure is popular again, but analog recording equipment such as old reel-to-reel decks have... Oh, what's that? Oh, see, I haven't cleaned my office. Piles are falling on the floor. Uh, Anyway, reel-to-reel decks have spiked in price. Um, 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 Which format is better? Oh, my God, that's a question for my husband. I have no freaking idea. (laughs) Okay, he's going to start a podcast. I don't even know if I was supposed to say that. But I'll tell him that that's your question, and maybe he can answer that. I have no idea if he's answering questions on his podcast. But next podcast, I'll see if I can talk about his podcast. <laughs> don't, doesn't, don't we all have podcasts? <laughs> um, Jennifer Westbrook. Hi, Jennifer. She says, when did you know you wanted to be a singer? In bands, music, etc. what started your journey to where you are now? Oh, I'm not going to answer that because that's going to be one of my shows. But that is perfect. I'm going to read your question again on on one of those podcasts, Jennifer, when I talk about exactly that. Um, What's the hardest thing to adjust to living on Kauai, if anything? Uh, I'd say, you you know, everybody's going, you know, going barefoot. You know, I was so into the 80s and fashion, you know, high heel. I had such a huge shoe collection. Well, they, <laughs> I moved to Kauai and all my, my leather and rubber outfits molded or melted. My shoes molded. Your feet get bigger. I was a four and a half and now I'm a five and a half. So, what, uh, I mean, that's not hard. Um, I'll have to think about that if there are more because it's hard to think about what's hard to adjust to when it's so freaking beautiful. So thanks, Jen. But I'm going to read your question again on that show. And she thanks me for all I do and looking forward to seeing everyone again, hopefully in the near future. Yes, yes, yes. Jen from Florida. Last question. They wanted to remain anonymous. They asked, what's your confession? Uh, oh my gosh. Okay, one good, she's one good, one bad. Well, I love seeing uh, all the Todd Stock pictures coming up and the picture books are amazing. And the four picture books from the four different Todd Stocks. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's my one really good confession. I, I love looking at pictures from the past and all of us getting together in the shows. Like you guys probably do too. Oh, I should probably mention at the end, um, we added, you know, all the Todd stocks, there was a deficit. And I know 
everyone pitched in amazingly. That's the four picture books all went to that. Lots of people did projects to help pay the deficit. And that meant a lot to us. Uh, We threw in 20K at the end. And so we're all good. And just want to say it was it was amazing. You guys made it amazing. I mean, we we planned a few things. <laughs> I can't believe Mark Begley talked us into building an entire new town for Todd Stock. <laughs> and Michael Green and every oh, I shouldn't say names because so many of you worked your asses off to make that happen, Debbie Summer. <laughs> I think we're all clear and we're ready to gear up for another. No cruise ships, though, probably, right? No cruise ships. Um, Let's see. Oh, we had some phone messages. So you can ask questions by phone. This is already taking longer than I thought it would, but I guess that's all right. Um, Doran Brennan, Fort Lauderdale, asked about if there's, because Jesse is so ill and the spring tours are coming up, who Todd would like to be um, a sub for Jesse. And Todd's not one to worry and plan way ahead. He's got an idea about exactly what he wants, and he's not going to think about what could go wrong. So Jesse's his guy until it's obvious that Jesse couldn't perform like on the cruise ship. And so Bruce McDaniel stepped up. I think Jesse even recommended Bruce McDaniel. And Bruce McDaniel's from, no, or Fernando uh, Perdomo might have recommended him as well. But Bruce is from the Ed Palmero band. I got, um, oh, Doran actually said Jason Faulkner would love to do it. But I, if I had to guess, uh, if Jesse is sick for a little longer, I think Bruce is probably our go-to guy because we didn't rehearse at all. Bruce McDaniel learned all those songs without rehearsing with anybody, only a sound check, and we didn't even go through those songs, and he just got up there and he kicked ass. I, I was blown away, and so, so were all of us, everybody in the band. I watched one by one the guys just, you know, giving Bruce uh, street cred on that. He was amazing. Um, oh, if you ever, he plays for the Ed Palmero band, if you ever, and so does Fernando Perdomo, uh, if you ever get a chance to hear it, they do a, oh my gosh, uh, anyway, I can't even, my, my brain is uh, freaking out here, but they are amazing. Okay, they're the orchestra of hip. <laughs> um, Kelly from Oceanside, California. Uh, let's see, let's listen to her. Um, I mean, Joey's going to slip in your your phone questions, and I'm going to hear them and then answer them. Okay, Joey, go for it. Hi, my name is Kelly, and I'm from Oceanside, California, and I would like to ask Michelle, where did you and Todd meet, and what was your first memory of when you guys first met? Aloha. oh god kelly i did not like him the first time (laughs) the first time i I probably blew out the mic the first time i met todd was at a show in the northeast somewhere i was in the tubes it was before and after 
our show, mostly after, Todd was standing in the corner of the green room. Not just standing, he was pressed into the corner with his hands behind his back saying very little, and I had no time for introverts. The next time was recording at Cavum Sony. That's the recording studio we had in our huge warehouse on Folsom Street in San Francisco for the tubes. Todd actually helped us put that together. And then we also used a different studio. Damn, I can't remember the name of the other studio. Anyway, I didn't like him. I didn't like him even more. He was stern and he was a taskmaster. No time for fun. He took my lead vocal off of Muscle Girl because Michael Colton, uh, Michael Colton, Michael Cotton had recorded my vocal without Todd's knowledge. And Todd thought the song would be better as it was an instrumental. And he took my vocal off. I thought it'd be better as it was. No, I thought he, I, I actually thought Todd was arrogant, but a few months later, as we're all touring together, I found out he was not arrogant. I was wrong. He was not arrogant. Again, ahead of the curve, ahead of the curve, he was just socially inept. And I say socially inept and ahead of the curve because now he's socially distancing. <laughs> See, if I'd written the joke, it would have been better. But I just winged it. <laughs> okay, we're done with the questions. Now on to just me jabbering. It's April 17th. I decided to start my podcast today because it's an anniversary. I know, I know. I took a sip of wine. Some of you are saying, no, not an anniversary. June 21st, 1996. That's when the wedding took place with all four kids and beans standing together for the ceremony. I'm talking about another type of anniversary. You know the one, right? You know. You know. If you stay with somebody for a while, you know you never forget your first time you got together. <laughs> <laughs> April 17th, 1985, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Utopia Tube Show. The stage was extremely slippery. During Utopia set, Todd slipped and hit his coccyx. I think that's how you say it. Thank God it wasn't his other side. And during the tube show, right after Utopia, I slipped off that same stage. Someone in the audience tried to catch me, but his head hit me in the throat and cracked it. <laughs> so to the hospital the tour bus went after the show so everybody I'm at the hospital everybody went back to the hotel and they're partying and I was pumped full of drugs and and released as often is the case both bands were you know partying and I went to share my prescription with those who wanted them champagne was all I needed and I got loopy um I started watching Todd I had really disliked him when he was producing us for Love Bomb, and he did not seem friendly. But on tour, I started watching the Utopia shows from the side of the stage and wondered how someone so unfriendly could have written such beautiful songs. Obviously, I would need to investigate. So I watched that show every night. Then we're in the ho that hotel room the night of the accident, and as I stared at him, he seemed happy. 
he moved over to the tubes where, you know, he moved over to everybody and was talking. And, and uh, I thought, okay, I'm, I may have misjudged this guy. So I walked over to the tubes wardrobe mistress, Gail Lowe, and I asked her if she would give Todd my room number. I was pretty wild back then. Remember, I, I was, I, it was the 80s. I was promiscuous. As you heard in my comedy routine, it was the 80s. You ask, you have sex, and then you, if it was good, you ask their name. So Gail Lowe was our wardrobe mistress. I asked her if she would give Todd my room number. She wanted to know how much money I had on me. So I searched and found 45 cents. Sold, she said. And she scribbled on a little piece of paper, call Michelle's room, whatever the number of it was. And she went over there and handed it to, to him. And I saw his face, like, shocked. So I just smiled. He looked at me, I smiled, and I left the room. About 20 minutes later, the phone rang. It was very awkward. <laughs> he was so shy, and I am not. Lots of silence. I asked him for his room number and told him I'd be over to teach him how to hang up his phone. Now, I was pretty frisky, loose girl. Sex was my entertainment. I was on hospital drugs, but that I didn't need that as an excuse. But after some making out, Okay, now this seems really personal, but remember, I'm not writing a book. This is my book. Okay, we're making out. He undressed me, put me to bed, and started placing cold compresses on my injured throat. And that went on all night, just taking care of me. Whoa! This is quite a change, being in a hotel room in a man's bed, and the focus is not sex, but nursing. So the next morning, our tour bus had to leave very early. So I left his room, left him sleeping, and there, because uh, Utopia was staying another night. I was so shocked by such a gallant behavior. <laughs> uh, I sent him flowers. I had flowers delivered to his room that day. At our next gig, Todd had sent me flowers. And the card was signed, My Pleasure, T-R-R-N. It made me laugh, and I haven't taken my gaze off of him since. <laughs> 35 years today and counting. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And luckily, my throat's fine, too. <laughs> uh, this has been a lot of fun, you guys. Uh, I, do, I don't want to take it down, but I do want to tell you what happened this week. And I know a lot of you probably know. Oh, I'm going to take another sip of wine. So, Hal Wilner died 10 days ago. Hal Wilner was such an amazing man and it really shocked us so if I get emotional I'll just start over again okay because it's just us here like hundreds and hundreds of others he's gone he touched our lives he was a no he was a huge part of our life 
Hal Wallner was musical director for Saturday Night Live for 40 years, but we knew him longer than that. I mean, Todd and I knew each knew him before we met each other. You've, you may have heard me say, Hal gave me one of my most special gifts in life. New York City, 19... Oh, geez. Was it 86 or 87? I, I'm not going to even look up these dates. You guys can look it up and go, oh, she was wrong. That was it. That's fine. You, you, t- you remind me what year it was. Hal was musical director for David Sanborn's live show, Night Music, as well. Oh, that was such a good show. So Hal had booked musical guests Taj Mahal, Kathy Griffin, and Todd. Wait, is it Griffith or Griffin? It's the musical one, like the folk singer chick. Okay, so Taj, Kathy, and Todd. And long before taping, Todd had suggested that Taj, Kathy, and he uh, do a number together. So the night of the taping, Kathy didn't want to perform the number she, Taj, and Todd were going to do. Now, no one should blame her. It's freaking Gilbert. Oh, I only had half a glass of wine. Freaking Gilbert and Sullivan Light Opera, lyrically fast-paced, wildly wordy, and in a very high soprano register. I do not blame her at all. But it's an hour and a half before a live taping. And our friend, musical producer Hal Wilner, hands me a cassette and channels Louis B. B. Mayer in Hal's New York accent. (laughs) This is so great. I mean, you know, if you can hear some people's voices in your world, I hear Hal's doing this. Here's a cassette of the song. Get to wardrobe. You go on in half an hour, kid. (laughs) I, I was... I was stunned. I'm like, I don't know the song. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I didn't say that. It was just in my head. So I grabbed the cassette. I had somebody gave me a Walkman. I go to, go to wardrobe, and they're fitting me with, I don't even know what they're doing below there, but there's a hat. There's some buttress thing. And I'm trying to learn this song in an hour and a half. And luckily, I had sung light opera in, in high school and college. My dad wanted me to be an opera singer or a ballet dancer. And I loved ballet, but I was too short. Anyway, it's my favorite showbiz moment and a pinnacle of my life. We go on, Taj Mahal, Todd, and me, and David Sanborn and his orchestra. And the reason we're wearing sunglasses is because Gilbert and Sullivan lyrics are so wordy, there's no way I could memorize them in an hour and a half, and Taj hadn't memorized them, tried in two weeks, two or three weeks. So we're reading the cue cards to the lyrics, but the music came easy. Hal gave me that gift. He gave many, many people gifts. And Hal, oh, I, if you get a chance, watch, I guess it was last week, um, a few days after he died, he died April 7th, Saturday Night Live did a really amazing tribute to him. Sorry, I'm getting... It was really great. If you get a chance to look at it, uh, it's at the end of the April 7th Saturday Night Live thing. Uh, Sheila, I know you miss him a lot. 
<laughs> Arlo, his son, he had a great dad. How will never be forgotten. How can you forget someone who wears an open Hawaiian... Ho- okay, I'll start over. How can you forget someone <laughs> who wears an open Hawaiian shirt to your wedding with Goy Bomb, G-O-Y-B-O-M-B, Goy Bomb, written on their chest and stomach? That's Hal Wilner. <laughs> I posted a picture of that, <laughs> of that on my Facebook page on April 7th, and Todd's face is great. It's the day of our wedding. Hal comes to Hawaii and veils that, and you can see how happy Todd was. He's laughing his ass off. (laughs) We'll miss you, Hal. (laughs) Okay. Questions for next week. It's weird to not have... I can't wait till we can get together and do this live. That's way, way cooler. Um, But I hope you're having an okay time with this. Questions for next week. Subjects. Okay, I want to talk about what's your first memory ever? First memory. How old were you? What was it? What about, you know, just what is it? Then the good one you'll probably like. What's your first musical memory? Okay, here are subjects and I want to hear from you. Okay, let's do four of them, okay? Oh, it's five. Okay, A, what's your first memory ever? I'll talk about mine. And then the first, because I mislabeled them, so. (laughs) Number one, first musical memory. Okay, you have 1A and 1B. 1A, what's your first memory ever? 1B, what's your first musical memory? Number two, what were your first one through five records you bought. You could just be your first one or your first three or your first five you bought. Why? What'd you feel? What'd you feel listening? What did you hear? What, what was your buying experience? I, those. Okay, first records. Number three, what was your first concert? <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that one. Number four, what song or songs have influenced you and your life how and why? Who, where, why, when, how? Oh, help me name my podcast. That too. That too. Okay, so you have homework. You have homework because I can't do. I can't do a show without you. Okay, help me name my podcast. Uh, if you've got a great name for it, call eight zero eight four three one four two four two. Or, and that that's a, a voice recording. And let me know if it's okay to play it. Or Michelle Rangren at gmail dot com. Now, it's not my normal Gmail. I'm using it just for the show. So I'm not going to, if I don't answer you right away, it's because I, I'm just going to read them right before the show. I don't want to think about things too much. But I would love to read you a story. Uh, remember, I'm doing this instead of writing a book. And, oh, I, it was going to be the title of my book. I'll tell you that at the end, but I decided it's more fun to talk to you. It'd be more fun to talk to you live, but it's fun to talk to you. Story. My maiden name is Gray. My brother Gino Gray and I are 16 months apart. Growing up, we were very close, still are. Jonathan came later. More stories about Jonathan later. 
Gino has been a paramedic, a police officer, and spent decades as a deputy medical examiner investigator. Many of you have seen the picture I posted of him recently taking care of Japanese Princess Cruise Line passengers that needed to be quarantined due to COVID. He's got a badge on his bunny suit with his shield and stuff. He's part of an FBI CDC team who are deployed to assist in disasters. He was deployed to the World Trade Center after 9-11, to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, Uh, And more, more, more. Basically, he's a no-nonsense, stick-to-the-facts kind of guy. He's funny as hell, but super dry. This is why, as an adult, I asked him if I was remembering this next story correctly. He said I was, but added one thing I'd forgotten. He'd confirmed the facts of the event that shaped my life. It defined who I was going to be. My dad loaded Jeannie. Yeah, we, <laughs> we used to call Gino Gini. Oh, he's going to be so upset with me. Don't tell him I told you. Anyway, <laughs> Dad loaded us up into his big red Ford pickup truck to go to town. I'm five, and Gino is th- well, 16 months apart. He was either three or four. I can't remember what month it was. Um, no seatbelts, so Jeannie and I were pressed up to the dashboard whenever the truck stopped. But since Dad was a cop, he made us sit back on the bench seat when we were moving. I can't believe it. we didn't have seatbelts back then. Oh, my gosh. Um, picture the center of a small town, Albany, Oregon. We were born there. Okay, it's busy. Cars parked in every stall up and down the street. People walking, shopping. We're stopped at a red light at a T-junction at the busiest corner of town. And just as the light turns green, we heard a car crash. Couldn't see it. It was off on the other block. But we heard the car crash, then heard wheels screeching and saw a banged up car speed through the intersection, missing a woman and her daughter crossing the sidewalk. The car slammed into a second parked car, backed up and slammed into a third parked car across the street, was starting to back up again when a big man jumped through the, dri- the, the beat-up car driver's open window, yanked out the keys, threw the keys out, pulled the drunk driver out of that same window. The drunk driver took a swing at the big, huge guy who picked up the drunk driver, threw him across the hood of the wrecked car, walked around the other side of that car, grabbed the guy, dragged him to the sidewalk, placed him on his stomach, put his knee on the drunk's back to hold him down while twisting his arm behind his back in a wrist lock. Then the big guy, the big man, calmly said, It's okay, folks. Could someone call the sheriff and let them know Officer Gray is detaining a hit-and-run drunk driver? I don't remember my dad leaving the truck. Officer Gray, that's daddy. I'm five years old. I had an epiphany. I knew. I knew then and there who I was, who I would always be. Again, I knew then and there who I was, 
and who I would always be. I am Superman's daughter. I am Superman's daughter. Thanks, you guys, for listening. I just end with this little bit about how we're doing over here. Oh, sorry. Maybe I should have taken a little longer to get more sober, but I would like you to write things not right. Yeah, actually, I do want you to write something. It helps if you write it down and read it back to yourself, and then you add more or you subtract things. It's... It helps you remember, and it helps you tell a better story if you write it down and look at it, change things, add to it. It helped me remember so much. Oh, the part that Gino told me I forgot. I had forgotten. This is how I knew I was right. Just like I said, Gino is as, as logical and straight as they come. Sci- a science guy, a, a cop science medical guy. I adore him he told me I forgot the part where after the guy swung at dad dad threw him over the hood of the car and then dragged him over nicely nothing nothing seemed violent it was wild anyway thanks Gino for confirming what I had always thought happened in my life but like Todd says I make things up in my brain that Take ordinary situations and make them seem like a Disney movie. <laughs> That's my mom's fault. We'll talk about my mom later. My mom always said, uh, everything's fine. Everything's beautiful. Oh, your leg is broken. What can we do to make this situation better? <laughs> I'm just making that up. But <laughs> Okay. Uh, in closing, I don't even rem- know how long we've been here. Hopefully it wasn't too long, guys. But I wanted to say, I'm not a shrink. I don't know what to suggest to ward off your fears, our fears. I only know what to do for me. Maybe it's of some use. Like you, I have fears and I have assurances. Assurances is not the right word. Todd would have entered the correct word in his daily crosswords. I go by... I go by feelings. I know feelings. That's I'm the feelings girl. He's the law. Lo- I think that must be why it works. He's the the logic. I'm the feelings. I feel grateful that even though Rex is confined in a super small apartment in San Francisco, that he has Leia, an amazing, smart, beautiful woman who loves him, and that Rex and you and TR fans. Uh, Rex has you. Yeah, he has you, TR fans that communicate with him and drum up schemes to get his dad to surface. (laughs) If Todd would ever go out of his comfort zone, it would be for Rex or the boys. I'm grateful that Randy still has his buddies at the auto body repair shop. Essential businesses at this time. He was laid off as as a baseball coach. Uh, everybody's just wishing Coach Randy could be back in their lives. He can't wait to get back on the field and take care of all of his all of his teams. So while coaching is 
on hold, he still has a place to go each day at the auto body shop. We're most grateful for his godparents, Al and Carla. Many of you know Al and Carla from Cleveland. (laughs) They give him a home and he gets to check in every day with people who love him. We three parents, me, Bean, and Todd, love them so much. Oh, and Olive Martini Rundgren. (laughs) Olive Martini Rundgren. (laughs) To give him good barks and and wrestle with the rope every day. That always helps. That's Randy's uh, pit bull. And she's so cute. Even Todd like wrestles with her with the rope. I try to wrestle with a rope, but she just drags me around the room and gives me rug burns on my elbows and my knees. Daily, I fight off panic that Rebop is by himself in Portland, Oregon. He's had the flu. He suspects he had COVID, but no testing. He's been self-isolating for a long time. I speak to him daily. And like many of you, I fight off all the worry and the helpless feelings that we should be there with them to help them. He's smart. He won't let me come. Keone is here at home. Luckily, gets to go out each day to landscape and then comes home and makes music in his room. He's, He's an amazing kid. We're really proud of our kids. I think it's hard for us to step back and let the trained experts take care of us and our loved ones, but we have to. It's our best chance to be reconnected with them. It's your job, our job, your job, our job to stay healthy, positive, and mindful until we can be reunited with our family and our friends. I had a dream the other night that <laughs> that uh, they booked they, they booked Todd in really huge theaters so that we could all still be there. All of our tickets were still good, but <laughs> every couple was sitting six feet from another couple. Yeah, that was a really good dream, actually. And we were still as noisy as you know a 5,000 seating seat place could be, even though there were only 1,500 of us. Ah, it was a good dream. I promise I'll take care of Todd to my utmost Supergirl power ability. <laughs> Ooh, I have to remember that. Supergirl power ability. <laughs> I hope you focus and channel your inner strength for the same with your family and friends. Let's check in with each other again soon. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight. It made me smile a lot. It'll keep me going. Mahalo Nui Loa. Welcome to the first Michelle Rundgren podcast. My name is Joey. I am the producer for this podcast. Everything is going to be in the show notes. You can check out the links. Um, check out how to ask questions, the email address, michellerundgren at gmail.com, the number to call for voicemails, 808-431-4881. Also, our Instagram handle, at Michelle Rundgren Podcast, our Facebook fan page, all of the good links you need. Also, you can buy a T-shirt and help support Michelle Rundgren Podcast. Be the first one on your block to have the T-shirt company here on Kauai is making shirts for a lot of the businesses and helping support different businesses and getting those shirts out there to you. Michelle will get a little bit of kickback for each one of those shirts. Give com or the link directly to the Michelle Rundgren podcast shirt is in the links. 
Thank you very much for joining us on this flagship episode. My name is Joey. You can check out my podcast, Kauai Today, is out there. Subscribe. Subscribe to Michelle's. We'll be back with another podcast very soon. Aloha.